Blog Talk Radio. Be the king of a 
everybody. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Apostle Edward Everly, and I'd like to just to welcome everybody on the program tonight. Yes, I'd rather have Jesus than anything, and that's, that's it. When you have Jesus Christ, you have everything, because Jesus is everything. You know, God the Father said, uh, he told Moses, he said, I am that I am. And he is everything. He's everything to us, every, anything we need on this earth or anything in eternity. He's everything to us. So I'd rather have Jesus than anything, because when you have Jesus, you lack nothing. Because he said in the 23rd Psalm, the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I shall not be in lack if he's my shepherd. Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, tonight is a special night. I'm going to have a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, by the name of Bill Crenshaw, and he's a missionary. And I've known Bill not a really a long time, but we have uh, talked on the telephone. We've done FaceTime. We've uh, communed on the uh, uh, messenger and messages and things like that. And he's truly a man of God, a true man of God. And we just we just clicked or with a spiritual connection, really the better way to say it. He's a, definitely a spiritual connection, and I have much respect for him. And I'm really honored to have him on my program because he's going to give it a, a different flavor tonight. You know, we have a lot of different uh, programs here. Uh, I do a lot of teaching. People have come on and everything. But this is the first time we've had really a mission missionary on that can speak and teach missionary and, and give us some under, more understanding about the mission field. And I'm just so honored to have him on tonight. But he's truly a man of God. He loves the Word of God. He knows the Word of God. And he has a beautiful spirit about him. And I'm just, like I say, I'm very honored to have him on here tonight. Before I introduce my friend, Brother Bill, let's let's look to the Lord in prayer and just ask God to bless this program tonight. Because this is Jesus' program. It's not my program. It's not Bill's program. It doesn't belong to anybody but Jesus. And we have given that program to him tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to praise you. We just want to lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we can come on tonight and hear your word, share your word, and, and just enjoy your word, Father. I would pray tonight to you that you would anoint my brother, anoint Brother Bill with the words you would have him to say. Anoint him in a special way, Father, that would not only be teaching to us of the missions, but also be a, a matter of understanding your love and your power more in our lives, Father. And Father, right now, by faith, we just give you the right, Holy Spirit, to be in this program, to move the way you see fit in any life here, Father, because, Lord, as we always do in this program, it's not my program ever. I'm just on here, but whatever you desire to do, we just speak the, the lost saved, the sick healed, those that are bound, delivered, and set free, and we just, we just believe that you're going to move in the hearts of the people. Now, Heavenly Father, just open the hearts and the minds of all the listeners tonight 
And, Father, for everything that's accomplished, we'll give you all the glory and we'll give you all the praise. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, I'm going to introduce you now to my good friend, Brother Bill Crenshaw, missionary around the world. And, Brother Bill, you just come on up and just take the mic right now, my friend. Well, Brother Ed, I'm so uh, glad and tickled and happy to be uh, asked to be on your show and to share a a message of hope and encouragement today. And so thank you so much for uh, allowing the time, and uh, I'm I'm just excited about for what God has tonight. Amen. So... uh, I want to introduce myself. Uh, since, uh, so uh, my name is Bill Crenshaw. I'm with uh, the Rock Ministries, and we're based out of uh, a little town called Cat Spring, Texas. Um, and I know there's many people around the world uh, that may be listening to this that uh, may not know where Texas is. So uh, for them, um, we're in the southern United States, uh, and we're bordering Mexico and the ocean. So that gives you a little bit. And for those that are uh, here in the U.S., I'm, we're halfway between Houston and Austin. And so uh, we're, we'll tell you much more about the ministry and what we do uh, towards the end of our sharing time. Um, I have a beautiful family that I'm blessed with. I have three grown daughters uh, as well as a beautiful wife named Mary and uh in the last several years, we've been blessed with three granddaughters, and so uh, obviously uh, we all enjoy our time with them. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I want to start just sharing a story with you, um, and it's going to go somewhere, and, but I want you to relate to it through this story. So when I was growing up, my father... Uh, he was in the military. He was an airplane pilot. And so every year, being in the military, by the way, doesn't pay very well, if you didn't know that. It doesn't. So we would go, and uh, for our time uh, as a family on vacation, we would go down to a little barrier island in, off, right next to the ocean. Um, and it's a little island. It was a sandy island. It's only seven miles long. It's a half mile wide. And it's a fishing village, really. It's called Grand Isle, and it's in the state of Louisiana. And so ever since I was a young boy, um, I've been going there every year um, to, with the family to relax, fish, crab, shrimp, and just have good family time. So it's a fishing village uh, with older camps and newer camps, but it's all being a barrier island. Everything is sand. It's on the foundation of sand. And you may say, well, why is he talking about this barrier island? Well, I'm talking about it because um, we are in the area of the world where hurricanes are. And hurricanes come through this area of the world all the time, just like cyclones come over in Indonesia and Asia. Okay? And so just uh, in late August, a very strong hurricane named Hurricane Ida rose up. It was uh, 150 mile an hour winds, but if you're you're in kilometers, it's about 240 kilometers per hour. 
It was one of the most powerful hurricanes uh, that ever developed in the Gulf of Mexico. And sadly, it struck Grand Isle, Louisiana, the place I've been going to visit and have so many fond memories of, struck it a direct hit and devastated the island. I mean, devastated the island. Um, and, uh, and, and personally, it's sad um, because there were camps that were leveled. There were houses that were leveled. Um, there were businesses that were leveled. Uh, and I mean, nothing left. And then, but there were some that actually weathered the storm and were still standing uh, after the storm. Um, and so, um, so I've seen pictures and I've seen videos. You know, we live in the world where you can see what's going on across the world in a heartbeat just by, just by uh, looking at the news. And so, um, I mean, I'm seeing this. And so, and what I'm realizing is, you know, uh, I, want, I want to talk a little bit. Grand Isle, I mean, before the storm Hurricane Ida hit Grand Isle, all the camps that were standing looked like they were fine. They were, they were in perfect working order from the outside. Um, they, so they were all fine. They looked ordered. But then the hurricane come, came, hit the island, and uh, some camps did much better than others. And so I want to talk about this uh, really from the standpoint is that this storm, this Hurricane Ida, revealed uh, how well the foundations were in all these camps, right? What, how well were they grounded into their foundations was seriously tested by this storm. And it was a great test, and some didn't pass the test. Some didn't pass the test, and some did. So, so, so testing... A hurricane is a test, and so these camps were tested, and the test revealed the foundation. The test revealed um, how deep the foundation was, how wide, how, how, how uh, strong the concrete was. And if it didn't have a good foundation, it did not make it. It just didn't make it. And um, so, so testing, testing always reveals the reality of what's there, okay? Let me say that again, okay? So, so testing, uh, like this hurricane, always reveals the reality of the foundation of what is really there. It can look good from the outside. It can be functioning just fine. But until it's tested, its foundation is really not known. It's hidden, Okay? And so this is what I want to talk a little bit more about, okay? Um, we live, we're living, what's some of the other examples of testing, okay, that we can all relate to no matter where we are, okay? School, okay? We've, we've been through school, experienced school, whether it be elementary or university or anywhere in between. And school, by its very nature, we have tests. And so for a test, a test reveals where we really are. 
So I can believe I have uh, I've absorbed the material that's been taught to me. I have, uh, I have got it, but I really don't know until the test comes, okay? And when the test comes, that reveals the reality of where I am. I may do very well, and it basically says, okay, the reality is where you thought you were, or you may not do well. You may, you may actually fail the test when you thought you were doing really well, um, and really that's okay because you, you get another chance to take the test. I'm going to study harder. I didn't study long enough. I didn't study with – you do something different so that you can pass the test, move on to the next grade, and continue on. So these tests are – tests in schools are good because it gives us a reality, a grounding of where we are. Uh, another great example is the military. The military, they train. They work hard. They get in physical condition. They do exercises. They, they do all the things military does, but that's the training. The test comes when the battle comes, okay? And we constantly see military having to adjust their strategy and adjust their training as they learn things in battle that they need to improve upon to win, okay? And then, and then one more, I mean, we look at athletes who train for um, an event. They train for a game. They train for a race. They train for soccer, football, whatever it is. They train very hard, but they're training for the race. They're training for the game. And the game and the race reveals where they really are. Did I train hard enough? Did I train right? Do I need to train differently? Okay? And so the, all these things reveal where we are. Okay? And so these are examples of testing, and they're beneficial. Okay? Getting a test in school is beneficial. Now, it doesn't mean I like it. I, didn't, I, I don't really particularly like tests, but they're beneficial to me. And so... I want to talk, you know, the world we're living in right now, uh, we all look around with the circumstances we have in the world, um, and it honestly just feels like and seems like the world is being turned upside down on its head. We have everything um, that we may have regarded as a, uh, a sound foundation. If it's not Jesus, it's being, it's being turned on its head. Um, we have COVID going around. Um, governments are changing. Businesses are changing. Everything I can think of is being shaken. It's being stirred. It's being uh, turned around. And I, I, everything in the world right now is getting tested. Um, you are getting tested in I don't know how many ways I talk to people uh, here in the United States, plus all over the world, they're getting tested because um, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. My job has gone away. Um, I don't, you know, there's so many different things. My family is in disarray. Um, I've lost everything. Um, and there are so many things going on 
and that are testing us, testing where we are. The things that, uh, that we thought were our foundation, security, uh, money, um, family, uh, a job, a business, the government, um, our own self, all of these things are being um, turned upside down and we are being tested. And uh, I know every one of you is being tested in some way. And if you're not being tested, I can assure you your test is coming because we live in a world that are full of tests. And uh, this whole situation we're going through, if we're honest about it, it's painful. It's uncertain. Um, testing is not fun. Going through trials is not fun. We don't really want to. We don't want to really go through trials. We want things to be safe and secure and, and predictable, and uh, uh, we want them to be like they were yesterday for the most part. And uh, uh, we have our plans of how we want things to work out. And when it doesn't work out that way. Um, we get thrown for a loop most of the time. And so uh, that's the world we live in. And what it's causing is, uh, I'm seeing it everywhere, it's causing fear, okay? It's, uh, fear is rampant right now um, in the world because of the unknown. What's going to happen to me? How's this going to work out? I don't know what tomorrow looks like. And fear, fear, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, fear is not of God. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in Jesus. There's no fear in God, the God of the Bible. There is no fear. And, in fact, it says all throughout the Bible, do not fear, do not worry, do not have anxiety. Okay? And if we are operating from a point of oneness with Jesus and oneness with God, um, we can follow, we can actually do that, okay? We can't do that in our natural self, but God, if we're allowing him to have his way with us, we can actually not fear in the middle of the storm, okay? And so fear is the, fear is an enemy. And, uh, it's got many brothers and sisters called anxiety, worry, anticipation, and those kind of things. And so many times right now I see people that are um, thinking that's okay to do because everybody does it. Okay? Many brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ are operating from a point of fear, worry, and anxiety right now because of what's going on, and we should not be if we're resting in Jesus. Now, what, what I'm, I'm saying that fear comes to everybody, okay? Fear comes to me, it comes to Brother Ed, it comes to you, and it want, it's knocking on your door, okay? It says, what's going to happen to you? You need to be afraid of that. You need to be very concerned. Fear comes to everybody, but it does not need to control us, brothers and sisters. It should not control us. So this is what is going on right now. So I want to, I want to 
you know, my hope for sharing with you tonight, my deep hope is in the midst of the trials that we're going through right now, the testing that we're going to is all of these things are going to reveal our foundation, my foundation, Bill's foundation, Ed's foundation, uh, your foundation, um, your church's foundation, your denomination. Every foundation is beginning to be revealed just like that hurricane, Hurricane Ida, revealed the foundations of those buildings on that little island that got hit by the hurricane. We Things are being revealed right now, and it's painful, but I want you to get at the end of this, so hang with us if you're, if you're, if you're, <laughs> don't, uh, don't go anywhere because this is going to be a message of encouragement. Um, it's going to be a message of, of vision. You're going to see uh, hopefully a little more of what God is doing in the world right now that maybe you didn't see before you listened to this. And that's great because when we can start seeing from God's eyes, we start seeing what he is, he is up to, that is huge encouragement to us because if you can see what God is up to, you're not going to listen to fear and anxiety and those other things, and you're going to trust him deeper than you did before. And um, so it's a great comfort and strength for us. It is for me, and I hope it is for you, when I can start to see a little more of what God is up to in the world. That is a wonderful thing because it says in the Bible, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than anything we think about. So the things that are going on aren't really... um, the reality of what God's doing. Let me give you an example of that, okay? I want you to uh, think about or close your eyes and put yourself back in the time when Jesus was getting arrested. He was he'd getting get arrested by the Romans. He was being set up by the Jewish religious leaders, and he was sent to trial and soon to be crucified. Now, I'm sure all of the disciples at that point were fearful, full of anxiety. Oh, my gosh, my world's coming into an end. What's going to happen to me now? Um, and look, they're, they're getting ready to kill Jesus. It's all over. Okay? That had, that's what was going on. Um, and so, but what was the reality of the situation? Okay. What was the spiritual reality? What was God doing that all those people were looking at the circumstances? I mean, you know, it was Passover. Jesus was arrested. The, 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 the Messiah, the king, was being nailed to the cross. They didn't expect it. They didn't know what was going on. The reality was they were fearful. They, they fled for the hills. They denied Jesus. And... The reality was they thought their world pretty much was over, I bet, right then. But the reality was God was doing something magnificent. He was sending his son to the cross to redeem the world uh, for those that would receive him from sin and to offer them new life. So 
So that was the reality of the situation, but the circumstances looked very, very different, right? And so we hope to see a little bit of that uh, today. Well, I hope you do. Um, I hope you do. So um, I want to go to a passage. Let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit because Jesus has some things to say about tests, okay? He said there's going to be tests. Um, there's going to be trials. There's going to be hard times. And he didn't, it wasn't even, uh, uh, he said you're going, life is going to be full of these trials. And there's going to be great trials. And so he talks about that. So if you have your Bible in front of you, open up to Matthew, the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. Open up your book to Matthew uh, chapter 7, okay? And we're going to uh, start in 24 and go down to 27. So I'm going to give you a few seconds to open up. We're in the book of Matthew um, Chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Now, what I'm getting ready to read are, are the words of Jesus, okay? And um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read the word of God here. And so, <clears throat> starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Okay? So, so keep your Bibles open because I want us to see some things in the Scripture. You know, what, what, I, what I truly want is I want you as listeners, as us, I want each of us to see the truth in the Scripture. I want you to see it for yourself, discover it for yourself, um, and when you discover something for yourself, it really sinks in so much more because God reveals Scripture to people that are hungry for his word. Um, and so a couple things. Let's look in verse 24. There's two things. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So what, what, do, what do hear these words of mine? Well, we're reading out of the Bible, which is the divine authority of God. And so when we understand a truth uh, or a command from the Bible, we're hearing the very words of God, okay? So when you spiritually hear these things, when you hear these words of mine, when you, when you understand knowledge, you understand what it's saying, you're hearing, and, you're, and so when you hear these words, and then it says, and put them into practice, okay? And we see, so there's two things here. You can understand what it is um, God is saying in the Bible. We can understand that. And then uh, the second thing he's saying, and put it into practice. 
he's talking about doing it, obeying it, okay? So whoever understands what God has commanded and puts them into practice, okay? It's one plus two. It's not one minus two, okay? Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, okay? So a wise man, okay, he built his house on the rock. So what is his house, okay? Jesus constantly uses everyday um, pictures, word pictures, every, everyday uh, items and uh, common uh, expressions. To, he uses physical expressions, physical examples that everybody knows to teach spiritual truths. He does it all the time. Build your house on the rock. So where does this come from? Well, uh, you know, building your house on the rock I had an opportunity to go to Israel um, and in 2017, and one of the days we were, we were hiking, and in fact, we hiked many, many miles on this. It wasn't, a, it was a wonderful trip I'll never forget, but, but Israel is full of rocks, and in southern Israel, there's the desert, um, and in this desert, there's virtually no life hardly anything, all, all we were amongst rocks, and we hiked for a day, and um, all we had was rocks around us, and so um, we got down to the very bottom, and there was a little bit of sand in what they call a wadi, and um, when the floods come, this wadi floods very quickly because of the rock, all the water has to go out because the rock doesn't absorb anything. So there's great floods there that happen so fast. And uh, this is how God gave me the, the rock ministries as I was going through the, uh, the desert, hiking through the desert. I remembered this verse and, and was looking up at a big rock. And so the rock in the scripture, going back to the scripture, okay, is Jesus. I mean, Brother Ed expressed it so beautifully introducing um, this show that if you've got Jesus, you, are, you have built your house on the rock, okay? And it doesn't matter so much what else is going on in your life. If you have Jesus as the center and the cornerstone in your heart and you're putting the things into practice, Jesus is the rock that let this pass the test, okay? And so going back to 24, we must, we must understand, okay? We must understand, therefore, study the word, listen to the Holy Spirit, and, but we must put these things into practice, okay? And if we put them into practice, Jesus says we're a mind man who has built his house on the rock. So I'm going to read a little bit a different way. And I'm going to substitute my life as the house and the rock is Jesus, okay? And then, so it could be interpreted like this. It says, therefore, everyone who understands my words and does them is like a wise man who built his life on Jesus, okay? That's 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 uh, an interpretation you won't find in the Bible, but that's what it's saying. If you build your life on Jesus, okay, 
You are understanding what you're supposed to do and putting them into practice. And, um, you know, one of the things that I see as a challenge for many of us is um, we know these things, okay? We're hearing these words, but we're not putting it into practice. We're not obeying what he says to do. And, uh, and, and that's a big problem, as we're going to see in the next part, okay? It's not a big problem. It's a huge problem. And uh, because we have to put into practice, uh, the disciples were always striving to follow Jesus, to imitate him, to do what he did. And that is what we're supposed to do, putting into practice what we understand, his words. But look, it says, you know, to notice the rain came down, okay? The streams rose, the wind blew, and it beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. So, so, so all the circumstances you're experiencing now, okay, and you're going to continue to experience, and I'm experiencing now, we're going through this together in some fashion as the body of Christ and in the world are like the winds beating on us, okay? It's like the floods coming. And it says if, you, if your life is founded on Jesus, okay, if you're studying his word, understand it, however you're getting his word, if you're listening to his word, you're taking it in. If you're reading his word, you're taking it in. However, if you're meditating on his word, however you're getting his word, it doesn't matter. The point is you're getting his word, you're getting his revelation from the Holy Spirit, and then you're acting upon it, believing what it says, and putting your faith into action, living out your faith. And so these things are going to come, but in the end, your life's not going to fall. You're going to be standing. You're going to be standing like one of those camps on that island that the the foundation was strong, and it passed the test when the winds and floods came. Your life will be standing, and it will be a life that people are going to see Jesus. They're not going to see you. They're going to see Jesus, okay? And that's exactly what we want. We do not want our lives to represent ourselves. We were bought at a price, we're, and it was a great, great price that it just boggles my mind every time I think about the price that was paid that gave me the opportunity for new life, that you the opportunity for new life. Uh, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. Now, in verse 26 comes the other side of that, okay? In verse 26, it says, but everyone who hear these words of mine, well, that's exactly like what it said up in 24. So you can hear these words of mine, but does not put them into practice, okay? It's like a foolish man. So if you don't put what you know into practice, Jesus is saying you're like a foolish man, you're like a foolish woman, if you don't put what you know into practice, okay? It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came. Streams rose, the winds blew, and beat on that house. And it fell with a great crash. Fell with a great crash. 
So, again, the importance of putting these things into practice, doing the things that you know to do. God only holds you accountable to the things you know you should be doing, okay? And so we're, so he's contrasting. Jesus is trying to teach the people in a very simple, straightforward way that they can understand and we can all understand this. This is the same thing today. Jesus, is, Jesus teaches so straightforward that if we have ears to hear and eyes to see, we will know exactly what he's talking about. So we can understand what we're supposed to do, but we, the emphasis is we must do it. And so these, the waves and the wind and uh, the floods, these are all tests. These represent the tests that we go through during life. And this doesn't sound very fun, going through floods and being battered around. But it says if you don't, if we don't obey, if we don't have a heart of obedience, then we're, we cannot stand, okay? We don't, we're standing on something else besides Jesus if we do not obey. Okay, and so, and it says we are going to fall with a great crash. Our lives are going to be revealed as not built on Jesus, but something else. And any, any other life that's not built on Jesus, um, that's anything else we build our lives on would be considered an idol. Okay, and we can so easily all, uh, our hearts are, our hearts are naturally uh, wicked, wicked things. Um, and so we can easily deceive ourselves and think we have our house on the rock, which is Jesus. But in actuality, um, it's, on some, it's on something else. And so I want you to, us to see this teaching tonight because I want to talk about you know, when, when we're getting beat by the waves, when we're beat by COVID, we're getting beat by circumstances, we don't have an, everything's coming unglued, it feels like. And uh, uh, trials are coming, they're here. And what I want us to see is that these trials don't come, sometimes it feels like, well, why would God allow me to do this? Why would God allow this to happen. Um, he says he loves me. He says he cares for me. He says, uh, uh, I'll never leave you. All these are promises, and they're absolutely 100% true. You can sleep well tonight knowing these things are absolutely true, no matter what your circumstances, uh, if, you're, if you're a child of God. But these trials come to us all, and they're very... Everything God brings to us is in love and grace and mercy, whether it feels that way or not. Okay, so I want us to see uh, that these trials that we're experiencing now that are like the floods and the winds and the rain, okay, are actually very merciful and graceful things. And you may say, Brother Bill, why are you saying this? Because it doesn't feel that way. I understand it doesn't feel that way sometimes. So why is it merciful and graceful? God's always doing these things out of his heart, and his heart does not change. Why he's doing this, okay?
okay, so why is he doing this? He wants to, you to know. He wants, me, you, he wants me to know and you to know. He wants you to know where you are right now spiritually with him, where you are today in these times with Jesus. He wants to reveal your foundation. He wants to expose the things that um, I'm not being right at. I'm not doing this right. He wants to expose those things, okay, so that we can pass the test. Okay? It would be very cruel, and God is not cruel. God is never cruel. Jesus is not cruel. But it would be much more cruel to, uh, for God to allow us to think we are passing the test, and in reality, um, we are not, and to never expose that truth, right? If I thought I was founded on the rock, but, man, lo and behold, the storms come, and I'm not, that is a great blessing that God is giving us, exposing where we are. And it's the heart, the exposing may be painful, but it's his heart to get you and me back in relationship with him where we're supposed to be. That is his heart. It's for correction. It's for repentance. I want to show you where you are so that you can come back to me that you can improve here, um, that you need to get change some things. You need to repent. You need to confess. We all need to do that all the time. So this testing that we're going through, that we're experiencing, when we look at it from God's eyes, okay, he allows things to happen so that it suits his purposes. And one of these is testing. And, it, and here's the other thing. Because he's merciful, you may say, well, it's, it's only a blessing if I pass the test. It's only a blessing if I've found good. wonder if he finds me bad. I'm going to feel guilt and shame. You know what? That's not true. That's not true. God, wherever you are right now, God knows it. Okay? And he wants to share with you where you are and his, wherever it is. If you totally fail the test, as long as you are living, his heart is to come back to him. Come back to him. Repent and come back to him. Give up. Wherever you're not failing the test, his heart is, I want you to come back to me. You have strayed, come back to me. So everything is for his purpose is to reveal where we are so that we can get closer to Jesus. We can follow him and put the things into practice that we know. We can learn more about the Bible and put the things into practice and actually build our lives on the rock instead of what we were doing. Okay? So this testing, we would never, we would never have that chance if we were not tested, right? We would never, unless God exposes our foundation, what is our rock, if it's not Jesus, then we would not know. We would just keep on going, living like we are. So these tests, the circumstances are actually great, great blessings that are allowed to come to us. They're not without pain, I understand, and, uh, but they're great blessings because at the heart of it all is a God who wants us to come back 
He's merciful and graceful, and he's giving us chance after chance after chance to come back to him in fellowship no matter where we are. And so here's, here's, here's some examples, no matter how the test is, okay? The test, let's say you, uh, the test comes, this, whatever's going on, and you realize, man, I am full of fear. I am, I am scared to death. I'm a, I'm a wreck. Um, that's all I can think about is what's going to happen. And so, you know, that's an indication you're not doing well with the test, okay? But once you know that, you can repent. You can repent and come back. No matter where you're from, whether you fail the test or pass the test, okay, it's all good. If you pass the test, God is showing you that you are building your house on the rock, how much he has strengthened you, how much... He is working, he has worked to regenerate you, your mind, your spirit, your heart, your subconscious and everything to where when the storm comes, you're not freaking out. You're not fearing. You're trusting him because he is in control of everything. He's still on the throne. I know Ed tells you that all the time, and I love him for that. He is still on the throne. He is ruling through all of these things. And there are things going on in our world spiritually, okay, that are incredible things, um, even, even though you might look at the physical things and, and say, um, I don't know what's going on. But God is moving in ways. He's moving hearts so that people will come to him. He's knocking down the barriers of entry of our, of our pride, of our self-esteem, of our anything that we are uh, have as an idol in our life, an idol is anything uh, that you put above God. Okay, and an idol can be a bad thing or a good thing. An idol can be obviously a bad thing, but it can be good things too. Good things. Well, I'm, I want to be. Um, you know, I, I want to be the best father that I can be to my kids. That's a good thing. I want every father listening to me, um, and I'm, I'm going to include myself in this, is I want us all as fathers to be the kind of fathers that Jesus, that honors Jesus. Fathers to our uh, kids, uh, to raise them well, to honor our wives. But if being a great father to our family supersedes, and that's our goal beyond anything, and it goes upon Jesus, it gets in the way of our relationship to Jesus. So um, so I'm not saying don't be a good father. Please don't hear me do that, okay, because I'm saying, no, be good fathers, but being those kind of fathers that, that we see that we're supposed to be are the kind of fathers that have a heart for Jesus and are building themselves on the rock, and one of the outflows of that is you're a good father or a good mother because you have a good father and you're building your house on the rock and that flows out of you to your family, friends, neighbors, whoever you come in contact with. So he's exposing idols so that we can denounce the idols, um, turn back away from the idols, and turn towards him and build our house on the rock. And so as these tests come, um, they come all through life. So 
these trials allow us to see where we are, but they come from a heart of love from the Father that wants us to be intimately in relationship with him. Okay? So I hope you see that in the scriptures. I, I want you to see that in the scriptures. And if you can see the trials that come at you as God has allowed this to come, and whatever it is, it's for my good. Because God promises that whatever he allows to come your way is for your good. And almost always, we don't know how it's for our good until we, after the, after the trial, we look back and we, sometimes we can see um, how it's been for our good. But they are full, the trials are full love and mercy and grace from a loving father. But he is much more interested in, and I think that's a huge understatement, not much more. He is interested in our eternal souls, our spiritual self. That is what he's preparing. That is what our physical bodies are going to die. We all know that. But he's preparing our souls for eternity. Okay. And we, see, and we see this. And so um, when we see our circumstances, hopefully, I hope and pray you can start to see the circumstances a little bit more from God's eyes and less from what you're experiencing right there. Because there's encouragement to know this and to, to turn back to God in whatever it is, to start obeying. And, and so one of the things that I'm going to share with you later about what our ministry does is, is uh, helping you to actually putting things into practice. And maybe I, I've seen uh, in the different countries we minister in and here in the United States, um, many times we haven't had a mentor or somebody to show us how to put these things actually into practice. We may have a heart to do it. Um, but we don't know the steps. We've never seen anybody else necessarily do it. So the heart is there. So one of the things we do is we want to help you put some simple things and show you how to simply put your faith uh, into practice and start to obey. Um, you know, there's, there's tests in this world, and uh, but there's one test that I, I do want to talk about because this, this is the ultimate test, okay, that uh, we don't get another chance to test, okay? We get one chance um, to, to pass this test, and uh, I want us to look at that in Scripture because that's, God is preparing us for this big test, and um, this is the test um, when... At, <clears throat> In the end times, I'll make it simply, in the end times, we're all going to be brought before Jesus to give an accountability before him. So after you and I die, we're all going to bring, be brought up in front of Jesus, and um, he's going to give us, um, have you, uh, he's either going to give us a passing grade or a failing grade. And the, and the measurement is, is, did you have a relationship with Jesus, um, a saving relationship with Jesus, or did you not? And so I want us I to look at that, okay, because this is important. 
for us to see as well. There's these tests of today that we're going through right now, and they're full of grace and mercy and love. But there's a test that um, this is the one we have, we desperately want to pass. And so if you look right before, we're still in Matthew, okay? And I want us to back up. We started in 24 uh, when we talked about the wise and the foolish uh, builders. But uh, I want to back up to verse 21. And I want to read 21 to 23. Okay, so this is Jesus uh, speaking again. And, um, and so he's talking about this time. And this is what he says. So, so let's listen up, because these are Jesus' words. And not only should we listen to them, we need to take them down into uh, we take them to our mind, to our heart, and we need to digest and understand what he's saying here. And so starting in Matthew 7, verse 21, I'm going to read 21 through 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Okay? So I want us to look at this because so... Basically, in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's going to be many that are going to believe that they've put their, um, they've lived their lives on the rock, they've called Jesus Lord, they've done certain things. And there's many that are going to come and say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus says what? that not everyone who says that or believes that will enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a, this is, this is a, uh, this, this, this passage causes us to very much fear the Lord, okay? Uh, not everyone who says these things will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Now, now, does that say um, not only he who knows the Bible throughout, only he who uh, is a Bible encyclopedia, um, is this a knowledge-based uh, statement? Is it based on what I know? Um, no, it, it talks about who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is about allowing God building your house on the rock and allowing the Holy Spirit and Jesus to have his way with you and therefore accomplish uh, his will for you here. Because every one of us, God has a purpose for, and it's a good purpose, and uh, he has a will and a purpose for us, but he's a gentleman. God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on any of us. He can only do his will if you give up yours. If I give up mine, that's the only way he can do his will. 
And so there are many people, it says here, but only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven, okay, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a heavy one. We need, we need to really let that soak in and take the word of God so seriously because this is very serious, and it doesn't really get much more serious than this. And then he goes on in verse 22, and he says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In the name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. And so, so people, people are going to actually, okay, prophesy. They will drive out demons, in, and they will be able to do miracles, okay? But do those things get us into the kingdom of heaven? Do those things get us into the kingdom of heaven? It is about the relationships. It has to be from the rock. It has to be from a, from a place of relationship, deep relationship and doing the will of God. Because what he says right after that, hey, you've done all these things. And basically, people are saying, hey, look at my resume. Look at my resume, Jesus. Man, I did. I, I prophesied. I drove out demons. And I perform miserable. Doesn't my resume look great? Doesn't my credentials, oh, Jesus, look at my credentials. That's what people will say. And they're supernatural credentials. Don't get me wrong. But then it says in verse 3, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Okay. So, Jesus is saying, I never knew you. We did not have a relationship. We, we didn't have a relationship. I never knew you. Not I once knew you and then I didn't know you. I never knew you. We never had a relationship. You never built your house on the rock. You did a bunch of things and you think your resume was good, but you didn't build your house on the rock. You didn't build your house on me. And then he says, away from me, you evildoers, because you didn't build your house on Jesus. You didn't build your life. You didn't center your life. And I didn't center my So this is the test. When we come, he's going to look right through us. He knows everything about us. And he's either, he's either going to see himself, Jesus, or he's not. And so we can easily be deceived. Okay, into thinking that we have a relationship with Jesus um, because we're doing a lot of things. Okay? Because we're doing, we're active, we're serving. Okay? Now, we can easily be deceived. We deceive ourselves so easily. I just, I can, we, we are masters at deceiving ourselves. And so um, we deceive ourselves. And, and to think that we're serving God um, because we're doing all these things, but yet Jesus is saying in these verses that it's all about the relationship. You have to, it has to be from a relationship. It has to be deep 
inside from a relationship with Jesus that you do things for Jesus. So it's critical. It's absolutely ground zero critical that you are assured that you have built your house on the rock. Okay? Because here, this is, this is after we're dead. We don't get another chance at this point. Okay? We don't get another chance to retake the text. Okay? And the, the, wherever we're at when we die, this is, this is where we're at for this test. And so to, for God to test us now so that we can pass this test when it really counts is so merciful and graceful and loving beyond comprehension. I hope you see that. I want you to see that. I, and if you don't see it totally, please read these verses again, that God is coming from us. From a place of grace and mercy and love, so that we will pass the only test that really counts. Okay? That we will be seen as having Jesus inside of us, will be in his family, and he will say, Well done, come into my kingdom, come into my family forever. And so, this is the test that, that we absolutely have to be prepared for, and but. The time for this, for getting ready for this test is while we're here on earth, while we're living, okay? While we're living is where we train for this test. And so if God is bringing circumstances to us that are helping us train and equipping us to pass the test that really counts, is not that merciful? Is not that full of grace and love from the heart of a true father? I think it is. I know it is. And just like raising a a child, just like raising one of your children, being done all over the world, whether you're in Asia, Africa, or anywhere else in the world, raising your children is you correct them. You may thank them because you want them to turn out a certain way. You want them to be productive parents, and adults, and therefore you test them, you train them, you equip them so that they'll turn out the way you, that they should turn out. And that's what God is doing. He is equipping us, training us, correcting us, scolding us, and to get us place to where we'll build, it, build our house on the rock and can come into the family of God forever and ever. And so what I hope, I really, I really just hope and pray that we start to see our circumstances in a different light, okay? Start to see them from a little bit more from God's eyes rather than our eyes, okay? So there's hope for everybody in this situation. And I want to kind of transition now to um, where different I guess, uh, let's see how I want to say this. Um, no matter where you find yourself in the test, there is hope today, okay? There is always hope. And so I want to talk about um, uh, different people um, that are experiencing life today and feel like they're running out of hope or they feel like there is no hope and um uh, I know there's many, many, many that feel that way, and um, I, I'm here to tell you there's always hope. 
no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, there's always hope. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some, and I hope you receive it and take it because it's there. It's there. Uh, if you open your eyes, it's there. So as, so I want to talk about um, uh, if you, so the hope is, okay, if you are, if you are a person that finds yourself to, to, to pass this test, you know, there's hope. That's encouragement, right? If you pass the test, you've got hope. You're, 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 you're building your house on the rock, and uh, he is hope. He's the only hope. And so this test has given you hope by showing you what God has done, how he's strengthened you, how he's changed you from the inside out. You know, you know God of the Bible changes people from the inside out, and almost every other religion tries to change you from the outside in. It never works. God wants to change you from the inside out. You may look, uh, or you may look and act uh, not like you want to be, but God is doing a miracle inside of you um, that if you just allow Him to continue, uh, you will. He will make you into a person you don't even recognize. It'll look a lot like Jesus. I can promise you. So it's encouraging if you pass the test, right? And I, for those that pass the test, keep on going, brothers and sisters. Keep on going. Keep on what? Doing what you know. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Continue to put your faith in, in action and your trust in Jesus. And keep building on that rock, okay? And so um, that, is, that is such a great source of hope. But let's say you don't, you find yourself, wow, wow, I, I thought I was doing really well and this is exposing me and I'm not doing well. I'm not passing this test. I'm full of fear. I'm full of anxiety. I'm looking for somebody else besides Jesus to bail me out of this and I'm not doing well. I'm not passing this test. And what the hope is, okay, the hope you should get out of this is God is showing you that from a, from a heart of love and mercy like we have talked. And he is going to move heaven and earth to get you to pass the test when you turn back to him. Okay? When you turn back to him, hope is there. Okay? Hope is there. The minute you turn to him, begin to look at him, begin to look at uh, what he says about you, okay? Begin to see things from his eyes and turn over a new leaf. He will give you a hope. He will give you a hope and the power to do it. When you turn and start walking down the path, the power comes. But not until you turn. You know, God doesn't give us the power and ability until we take the first step, until we start to do and then we find that we have the power, and it's his power, not our own, to do what we thought we never could do, to lay down what we thought we could never do because we were lying on it. The power is there. The love of God is there. Jesus is there. But we are called to repent. God can't repent for us. Your neighbor can't repent. Your family can't repent. And you can't fake repentance. 
You can't fake God out. You can't mentally say, "Oh, I'm, uh, oh yeah, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to repent." God, God sees our hearts. He knows our hearts, and uh, if we turn with a heart repentance, He is waiting. He is waiting, and if we stick with it, He's going to get us back in relationship with Papa, relationship with Him, equip us with what He wants, show us begin to uh, make us into the will of God to do what he has for us here. And when the real test comes, you'll pass. That's hope, friend. Now, if you're you're hoping in the things that uh, are being shaken right now, um, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed because those things are going to fall away and they're going to be gone. This world is going to be gone and these things, uh, Jesus is not of this world, and if you're a follower of his, neither are you. So there's hope there. If so, what, let's say that again. If you pass the test, there's – sorry. If you, if you fail the test and you find yourself in a place where you don't know what to do, turn back to Jesus. Turn back to Jesus. That's, what he's, that's why he's showing you that you failed the test. So you can turn back to him, but it's in your court. He has done everything. He died on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And so turn back to him, trust in him, and start building your house on the rock. And the third group I want to, I really want to talk to you, let's say you don't know Jesus. You, you, have, you really have wanted nothing to do with God, the Bible, or Jesus. Um, you've never found time for him uh, every time it's been brought up, you have said, uh, you know what, I, I got my own life to run. I got things to do. And I, it just seems nonsense to you, and um, you, have, you have ignored uh, Jesus and God maybe your whole life. But now you find yourself, you're being tested too. And you're being tested and and. Things, everything that you relied on um, is being shaken and uh, you feel lost and now you're beginning to, you know, maybe I have time for this God now. Maybe I have time to think about Jesus. Maybe I have time that um, I, I don't know what Jesus even is because I haven't even considered him or haven't even listened to anybody who's wanted to share to Jesus with me because I just haven't had time. I've, I've been wanting to run my own world. I've been thinking about my own things. I've got my own plans and um, I got my friends. Um, I got my activities, uh, man. I got, I got some money in the bank and uh, boy, I was just happy as a clam two years ago, but right now, um, Things are so totally different. I feel lost. So, so for you, if you feel, if you identify with what I'm saying right now, and you listen, there is hope for you. There is hope. There is hope, one, because you're living in this world right now, okay? In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay? I like that word whoever. That word whoever is great because 
if you're alive and breathing on earth, you are a whoever, okay? Jesus does not play favorites. I don't care what country you're in. I don't care what part of society you're in, and I don't care what you've done in your past. You are a whoever, okay? And because you are a whoever and God has placed you in this world, Jesus says that he came and he died for the sins of the world. And what that means is that we all, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, we all come into this world separated relationally from God because uh, we've rebelled against them in our heart. We have a heredity of rebellion in our heart against God. And we get it by nature. It's not anything we do. We, we, we just we come into this world that way, okay? And so you may say, well, what have I done? You were born. I was born. That's what you it comes with the territory when you're born that we are uh, out of relationship with God because we have this heredity of sin, which is rebellion against God. Um, do, and so when we're doing our own thing, when we're not listening, basically we're out of relationship with God, and, and so we can't, uh, we can't please God. Um, but he loves us so much that he says, if you receive Jesus and build your house on the rock and believe him that you can be in God's family and have eternal life. So there's hope. There's Through Jesus, you can have a restored relationship with God and live a life that you never even knew existed and be back in relationship with your creator. God created me. He created you. And so the hope is that he is shaking your world. If you're not a believer in Christ and you haven't had time for him, today is the day, my friend. Today is the day to ask somebody, to pick up a Bible, to, 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 to consider uh, Jesus, to, to, to receive him as Lord and Savior. Receive Je- receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior to come into your life and change you from the inside out into something that looks an awful lot like Jesus. An awful lot like the things that are impossible or supernatural God does on a regular basis. He is that God, and he wants to do that as a miraculous thing in you. And he will do it. But you must come to him. Our job is to repent, going back to repenting, turning from who we are and what we are, no matter what it is, and turning, turning to Jesus, receiving him. And that's the invitation I give to you today. No matter where you are, if you, if you have never known Jesus as your Savior and Lord, today is the day he offers you life. He offers you life through him and a restored relationship to God. And he just says, repent and come into me. Come into me. He's got big, wide arms that are open, and he's like a big foster. Just come to me. I will give you rest. Rest from, uh, you'll still experience the seas of life, but I'll give you rest inside that you'll never believe. Okay? 
And so this is what Jesus has an offer for everybody in the world. He will come to him, but we must come to him. Um, and so this is an offer, and I, and, I, and I pray each one of you, if you feel far away from God right now, Jesus knows you. He knows everything you have done. And don't believe the lie that says, oh, Jesus would never accept me because he doesn't know what I've done. He knows everything you've done. He knows everything you're going to do. He still loves you. He still has open arms for you. Okay? Don't believe the lie that, oh, I'm I'm just so full of shame and guilt that, uh, oh, I'm not worthy of, of coming to Jesus. Jesus says, come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are. That means as you are. Not as you want to be, not as you wish you would be, but come as you are. He knows all the, he knows all the stuff, all the stuff, good and bad, all of it. But he's just waiting for us to come. So, my friends, wherever you are, whether you're not a believer in Jesus right now, he says come. Today is the day. If you are a believer in Christ, but you find yourself, you strayed from the road, you strayed from the road and you're not building your house on the rock. Today is the day to recognize that and get back and come back to Jesus to build your house on him. Build your life on him. Trust in him. Okay? Believe what he says about you. Believe the promises in the Bible. Today is the day to do that. These storms are doing that for us, and that's why it's so merciful and graceful. Okay? So... And uh, so, so that's my church. I, I hope everybody sees hope in what's going on, sees what God is doing. He is unifying his people. He's bringing people into the kingdom. He's bringing people that are in the kingdom already closer to himself by purifying us as a body, making us one body, because he, Jesus prayed in John 17 that he was going to make us, may they be one. And then he goes, maybe they one like Jesus and Father are one, and we may all be one. That is a supernatural, unbelievable prayer that Jesus prayed over us today and through all of eternity, that we're going to be one family, and we're going to have unity like God and Jesus had unity. And that begins now, not when we die. That begins now. The relationship is now, okay? But it goes on for eternity. So don't think, oh, God's going to God make me over when I get to heaven. All things will be better when you get Heaven's going to be awesome. I can't wait to get to heaven. But eternity starts today. Oneness starts today. Unity starts today. And so uh, I, I, I'm so encouraged to share this with you. Um, and it comes from Matthew. I hope you got encouragement out of it some vision as to what God is doing through these trials that we live in. And most of all, take away hope. No matter what your condition is, there's hope. There's also health. There's people like Brother Ed Everly, and there's people um, all over the world that that desire to help you um, live a life more on the rock, Um, equip you to uh, put into practice the things um, that are in the Bible, put into practice, um, you know, no matter what that is, and it's a process. 
It's not just an instant makeover, but it's a process. And God says he'll be with us all the way, teaching us. Because God, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher in all of everything. We got the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us as part of God's family. And he teaches us all the time if we will allow it and listen. And so he's such a beautiful unbelievable teacher that wants to reveal so many things to us and it really doesn't matter what your education level is as much as what's your spiritual what's your spiritual condition are you allowing do you have a heart to allow these things to happen so take away take away some hope today here's some hope there's hope um, no matter there's always hope so don't lose hope okay we cannot lose hope no matter where you are. We need Jesus no matter where we are. And, uh, you know, at this time, um, I, I want to share a little bit about what the Rock Ministry does. Um, so one of the things, the main thing we do is we uh, train and equip believers uh, to reach their own, their own people, okay? So what do, I, what, do, what do I mean by that? Okay, so um, we help people put into practice. And, you know, when Jesus, right before Jesus um, went back to heaven, he g- gave us the Great Commission. And it's in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. So if you still have your Bible open, um, you can flip over there. And... Um, It's in red letters if you have a red letter, but this is what Jesus said, okay? Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. I mean, really, before he went back to be with the Father in heaven and he's sitting at the right hand, this is what he said. You know, so many times, whether it be a father or grandfather or grandmother, the last words somebody says before they die are so, so, so important, okay? And I think it's very important Jesus says, hey, these are the last words on earth. I'm going to speak to you. So these are important. These are important, and I want to read them. And it says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He says he's got all authority, all authority. And then he says for us, as people building our house on the rock, he says, go and make disciples. Go and make followers of Jesus, of all nations everywhere. I, I put in the everywhere. Of all nations, all people groups, okay? And he says, go, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Doesn't that put, put us right back to building our house on the rock? Okay, teaching them to obey. Teach them what the Word of God says, and then teach them to obey it. So this is what we try to do. We try to make disciples. We try, we, that's what we do. We want to help people um, We want to help people to make disciples. We want to help people to learn more about the Word of God, help them to obey the Word of God. If they don't know uh, 
how to live it out or what to do. Um, we want to we train people how to simply share uh, the word of God. I'll tell you a really cool story. Um, so we were uh, a story. We were doing a training in, uh, recently in South Asia, and uh, it was a training done by uh, our local leaders. And uh, one of the things we do in a simple training, and these are, these are uh, people that had very little Bible knowledge. I mean, very little. This may have been the first um, training, serious training they got. So we trained them for a day and a half. And on very basic things, but one of the things we train them to do is how to share the gospel on their hands. Now, what's cool about that is you always have your hands with you, right? <laughs> you don't have to ever have to worry about bringing tools because your hands are always there. So there's a way to simply share the gospel in just a few minutes with your hand, and we train them to do this. And so after this day and a half training, um, one of these people that got trained in obedience to what they were trained to do went to share with a village five kilometers away from where they were, and all he did was share the hand gospel, which he had just learned a couple days before. And, and just from him being obedient to do that, five families, the Holy Spirit moved and five families came to receive Jesus immediately. Is not that a beautiful thing? He was obedient to put into practice what he knew, and God used him mightily to bring five families into the kingdom of God. And now we're gathering them, and we're going to start a prayer group that we believe will turn into a a house church there, and praise God for that. So it's not about how much you know, it's about what you do with it, okay? And so we, that's what we do, training people, teaching them to obey, encouraging them, helping them along the way. So no matter whether, wherever you are in the world, we're, we're here to try to help you. Whatever, whether you don't know what to do as an individual or maybe you're a, a uh, an elder in the church or a pastor in the church and um, you're struggling with where to go right now, what to do. You know um, maybe you need to change things from what you were doing and maybe get back to the basics of, uh, of sharing the gospel and making disciples that you don't know how. And um, It's okay if, you, if you're honest with yourself and don't know how because I, I believe the reality of it, most of us don't know how because many times we have not been taught how. We don't, we have, we don't have a pattern to follow. But so, so that's what the Rock Ministries strive to do. That's the core of what we want to do. We, we, um, we are operating right now in South Asia, Central Asia, and Uganda in the United States. Um, uh, we use the Discovery Bible Principles which allows the Holy Spirit to teach us rather than, uh, uh, <clears throat> well, more, we, we want the Holy Spirit to be predominant in the teaching rather than uh, uh, us, us human teachers, okay? And so not that human teachers are good because human teachers are given by God, uh, but we, us teachers, if we, uh, if we invite the Holy Spirit into the teaching and allow people, the Holy Spirit, to work through the scriptures as they read them, 
uh, it's, uh, it can be so much more powerful in uh, building up of the body and people. So that is what we do. We, we cheer people how to do simple church, how to simply share the gospel and be obedient in our daily lives and uh, who, who you're supposed to reach. And so, uh, and we walk with you to try to train you in some simple tools to be obedient to what you know and then we grow as a family together in uh, building our house on the rock and glorifying him. So uh, anyway, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful that uh, I was a, a, had the chance to share with you today, whoever's listening. Uh, I pray blessings over you and your circumstances and uh, an increased amount of hope today because it's there for you. Uh, praise the Lord. Brother Ed. I, I think that's it for me, my friend. Okay, my friend. Praise God. Praise God. That was truly a message for the hour, God's message for this hour. Uh, very anointed, very powerful. And, you know, the Lord spoke to me uh, during this time. A couple things I'm going to bring up with us. It goes and coincides with, with the minister there, with the word you were teaching. But, folks, this is really the message for the hour. There's no doubt about this. And uh, it was powerful. It was just a blessing, very blessing. You know, what is happening in the world today, I'm going to surmise it prophetically with what's happening, exactly what uh, Brother Bill said there. First of all, what we're seeing, you know, is a worldwide thing. Because the world, you know, before this happened, now God didn't bring this around to happen. It happened, but God didn't cause it to happen. But when it happened, God is using this as a wake-up call, because it's not just affecting us here in the United States, but it's around the world. And we have never experienced anything like this. Everybody's surprised. Nobody ever expected this. And what's happening it curtails the whole world. Everybody in the world, it is, and of course, for God to love the world. And he loves the world, so he's getting the attention of the world. Okay? Now, now that he's getting the attention of the world, just like Brother Bill said, the tension to do what? Well, that's to come to Jesus and build your foundation in Jesus and grow in Jesus. It's all about coming to Jesus and living for Jesus. Okay? Now, to do that, that means that we have to give up our self-centered wills, doesn't it? Even we as Christian people, sometimes we might want to do something, but are we going to do what we want to do or what God wants us to do? Well, as the scripture in 1 Corinthians 9:25. It says, those that are striving for the mastery must have temperance or self-control in all areas, okay, which is uh, fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, uh, temperance or self-control. Now, you say, well, why do you need self-control? Well, if we all want God control. I want God to control my life, and you should, too. We all want that. Uh, I know Brother Bill wants that. We all want that, right? Amen. But God your life, he cannot control my life unless I have self-control. And you'll say, well, how, how can that be? Well, God would tell me to do something, and I would say, well, I don't feel like doing no, no, I, oh, I'm not going to do this. And therefore, I wouldn't obey God. So how could I do the will of God if I don't have control of my own will? Because I'm going to listen to my will instead of, of God. Okay? God made an antidote in Gethsemane with Jesus there. You know, Jesus shed his blood seven times actually seven times, and the first time he shed it was in Gethsemane. And remember when he battled 
he battles so vigorously in, in that battle to say, Father, I'd rather not go. And I'm just putting it in my words. He just said, I'd, Father, I'd rather not go to do this thing. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Now, he struggled so hard with that that his blood vessels bursted and blood came down his head, his veins. But he gave in. He said, Father, I don't want this. And who really would want something like that? The horrors that he went through. But yet he said, not my will, but yours be done. And because Jesus said that, you realize, and this is what Jesus showed me, and I never thought of it exactly in this life before, but he showed me his giving up his will, saying, not my will, but yours be done, Father, has saved millions upon millions upon millions of people. Because if he wouldn't have done that, we would all have been doomed. His giving up his will and willing to go through hell itself was beyond, and that's why his millions upon millions upon millions saved. Now, let's bring it back to us, okay? Uh, I can have control over my self-centered will when I don't want to do something or obey God because of that blood. That blood gives me the power. But now that power will not help me one bit until I choose to do that, you see. When I choose, because it says in James 4, 8, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So I must take the first step and say, Lord, help me. And when I say that, I'll be able to overcome that will that I couldn't overcome in my own strength because the Holy Ghost would give me the power. He says in Romans 8, 13, it says, you mortify the deeds of the flesh by the Holy Spirit, right? So it's by the power of the Spirit because I can't do anything on my own. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is, is the character of Christ, but I can't possibly live. It's impossible for any of us to live that way except through the Holy Spirit enabling us, us to do it. But we must be willing to do it before the Holy Spirit comes in. It's just like me quitting smoking many, many, many moons ago. I had to come to the place that I give it up, and that's it. I had to come to the place that I, I said, Lord, I, I give everything up to you. Give me the power to live for you way back in 1971. And I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the evidence speaking in tongues. And I've, I've given my testimony in a program of having a book and everything. But when I chose to say, Lord, I give my all to you now, I need the empowerment, that's when it happened. I was empowered and I overcame these things, they say. So we see right now that uh, we must give our wills to him. You see, and he, we have the ability. That I, I don't have to cave into my self-centered will. When it, my will wants to do something, I can grab myself by the shirt. You're not going to do this. You're going to do what the Father wants you to do. Okay, now I want to show you something right here uh, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And we were talking about the world right now, about shaking and everything that Brother Bill was talking about. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to read four verses here, starting with verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more shake it not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made that are things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God accessibly with reverence and godly fear. In other words, 
getting us to that place. You see, we can't be shaken. Everything in this world is shaken. People are shaken. They're not given to God. Things of the world are shaken. Evil people are shaken. But we cannot be shaken if we give ourselves to God because we're in that kingdom. You see, we're unshakable. And God is trying to get our roots, our foundation in that place that cannot be shaken. And that's why if we find ourselves not quite at that place, we grow into that place more and more by committing ourselves unto him, praying, seeking his face, being obedient unto him, believing him. Faith comes, Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we have to take that word and accept it as done just as soon as we yield our faith or we release our faith to that, you see. Because Mark eleven twenty four says the things that you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You see, you got them on the spot. When I pray a prayer of faith with a pure heart, it begins in heaven just like that. And it does the same thing for you, for me, for whosoever will. A pure heart and faith in that word, it begins in the heavens. It doesn't mean it's going to manifest right away because that's a miracle manifest right away. But, yeah, I see many, many miracles, but yet there's times that it just doesn't happen overnight, you see. And that's where the things you desire when you pray, believe that you have them, and they will come your way, you see. But he is right now through this. This isn't a cursed time. This is a time, a wake-up call that you and I all get to the place that God wants us to be because he's going to get us to the place without spot or wrinkle on this earth before we go. We're not going to have character flaws when we leave this earth. He's getting us to that place, you see. And that place is, he's bringing us to is going to be a, a spiritual enablement by the Holy Spirit that will take us there. It's not because we're so strong, but it would be an anointing upon us that's going to take us to these places. But there's a certain criteria that he expects of us to have a foundation to a certain degree that we can measure up to what he has for us, you see. Only he knows what that is. But you see, that's what that shaking is. And if you notice, notice in that verse there I just read, that we receive in the kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may uh, serve God accept, acceptably and reverence and godly fear, through reverence and godly fear. So that's where he wants us at. You see, that's his will. That's why he gave us a free will, because he wants us to love him and serve him for who he is, not just because what he has given to us and what he's done for us and what he can do for us, but God wants us to love him for who he is. He's, he's God. We must honor him for being God. The greatest form of worship is worshiping God for who he is, not for what you want from him or what, even what he's given to you. And that is wonderful. That's great. But God deserves, he must be worshipped because he, he deserves that. The angels worship him all the time, you know. God is worthy of that. We must reverence him more and more. And through humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life, it says in Proverbs 22, 4. He deserves that. He wants those things. But he wants to see you and I, uh, just as, as Brother Bill said right there, he wants to see us to the place of a powerful, strong foundation. We are not moved. And then those that are moving during this time, we can help them that they can get stable in Jesus Christ, you see. They aren't going until everything's over with. And that's why we're here to help those that are being moved. They're afraid. They're walking in fear. They're tormented. They're going through horrible things. But yet when they see you and, I, you and I standing strong, that is a witness to them. And they're going to say, hey, how in the world can you be like this in this world? Look at this world. And then we show them why we are the way we are. And it's not because we're strong or great. It's because of the Jesus in us, the greater one, you see. So that, that's what uh, 
Brother Bill, that's what God had spoke to me about that, uh, everything there, because it's really where we're at, and it's, it's God's perfect will. That's, that's, that's where he wants us now, to have that strong foundation. And then you had mentioned something a, a minute ago. Amen. It, uh, he mentioned something a while ago. People, you know, it's not the knowledge we have or how we quote Scripture, how good a teacher, preacher we are. That's not even it. It says in James one twenty two, be not only hearers the word that doers, or you deceive yourselves. In James one twenty two, so we have to be putting it to practice. It's in the doing. It's just like faith or love. Love is an action word. Faith is an action word. It's a doing word. It's not a just saying, "Well, I have faith." He said, "I'll show you my faith by my works." You know, and and, and we we need to. Well, one more, one more thing, and I'm going to turn that back over to you because you have a few things. Well, we're going to do a little talking here. We have about 15 minutes left. Uh, but uh, our battle in this world is not against the devil, not against their flesh, not against anything. Our battle is simply taking the Word of God and making it a reality, not just knowing it or quoting it or our church please that way, but knowing it and making the reality that we're actually doing it and walking in it and receiving what it says and doing what it says. And that's where all hell literally breaks loose in our lives. That's when we're tried by our flesh, by the world, by the people, by the devil, by everything that can can interfere comes against us. And that's the battle of faith, the walk of faith, just to make the Word of God a reality in our lives. We're not battling anything but just taking the Bible and obeying what it tells us to do, and that's where where we battle. Amen. 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 And, uh, so it's, uh, you know, Brother Ed, I'd want to get your, get your uh, input certainly on this, but it seems, uh, uh, it seems to me that so many times uh, right now during this season that um, um we, we have a tendency to not take the Word of God as serious as we should. We have a tendency Amen. to shrug our shoulders and say, oh, God, God, God loves me. He understands where I'm at. And, you know, it's okay if I do that. He still loves me. I'm part of God's family. And although it may stay directly in the Word that we're not supposed to be doing that, um, we tend to... Uh, uh, rationalize disobeying God in that way, and uh, um, we we err greatly. I think at times like this, or maybe the other thing is we start to compare ourselves against the people around us uh, rather than what it says in the Bible in the life of Jesus. I think we're in great danger of doing that, and I think we find ourselves um, much further from where we should be if we're truthful with ourselves. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, the Lord had told me that, that uh, people are not taking my words seriously, and you're, you hit it right on the nose right there. And uh, reason being, I'll tell you, what. I, a couple of weeks ago I did a, a, a series. It was a three-part series, and it was about our having our part in this thing. Uh, in other words, like I used... Uh, uh, weapon oh, Isaiah fifty four seventeen. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And I uh, took that, and it, it goes many different directions. It isn't just in, in claiming things in the power of God, but it's in our lifestyle. Because He says, "No weapon formed against us will prosper." And you've heard 
people say that a million times, but they fail to read the next thing. It says, thou shall rise up with thy voice, you know, speaking against it, and prove it wrong. And I look up the word thou, as far as the Hebrew, that means we must do that. So if, I, if I'm a silent man and say, no weapon formed against me can prosper, and I walk along that way and do nothing, say nothing, just write it, just say it out, it's, it's not going to work because I have my part to do, and that's what what you're saying right there, uh, we don't take his word seriously because he says certain things we're to do, but we say, oh, the Lord will take care of it. Uh, I'm waiting on him. He'll do this or he'll do that. Uh, we put God in a barrel just like everything that uh, we're to do. We just expect him to do it all, you know. Well, God will take care of it. And I have grace, grace. and and But this is a covenant. It's a two being two beings he did his part through christ he's done with his part actually but we are the ones that didn't finish our part and we have to do our part daily to obey that covenant you know we overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony tells us in revelation we overcome by the blood of the lamb by the word of our testimony and the word of our testimony is what we are declaring but not only declaring but we're actually doing because you can't be very convincing i, I can't preach very convincingly if I'm not doing what I'm preaching. In fact, people will receive it from the head instead of from the heart, because if I'm not speaking from my heart and what I actually put to practice, it's not going to reach their hearts. It's going to just be in their head. But if a man is ministered to you through his heart, you're going to sense it in his heart, in your heart, you know. And uh, I think that is the biggest problem, because the Lord had, had showed that to me, that people are just not doing their part. Uh, in this thing, it's everything, the Lord do this, the Lord do that, and I'm waiting on the Lord. And most of the time, when people tell you they're waiting on the Lord, <laughs> he would tell you I'm waiting on them. Yeah, we exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Don't exactly think it's all right. Moses with God, right? Don't, sometimes yeah, I believe that, He's Bill. waiting on us. He's, he's done it all. He's waiting on us. <laughs> he is. Uh, we, the buck always stops at our desk, you know. Well, James 4, 8. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, and we're waiting for him to come up to us. And he he done done it as they say. Yeah. He's waiting for us to come to him. He says, "Draw near to me, and then I'll draw near to you," as you said tonight in your message. And uh, but we we always want him to do all everything instead of our taking an active part, daring to stand up and be counted, being bold, and being living and walking a godly life, and coming against those things that are anti-Christian. In fact. Uh, he tells us that we are to have no fellowship with the works of darkness, but reprove them, reprove the works of darkness. We aren't to have fellowship with them, but a lot of people are afraid of the works of darkness, that they wouldn't say a word. You know, they say, oh, I better keep my mouth shut. I'll, I'll uh, get in trouble. Ephesians 5.11 says that. But we, we, we need to really stand up and be counted and do what he says, because Jesus said the things that I do, so will you do. Uh, and and of course, uh, in John fourteen twelve, and uh, that, he meant everything—not just the performing miracles, doing the great things, but how he stood up against adversity, how he showed love, how he walked in love and compassion. Everything that we saw in Jesus, which was our example to live by, not one another. But he says, "We that compare ourselves with one another are not wise." But we're to compare ourselves to Jesus as our example mm-hmm. and strive. Like him, you know, like you said right there. But it, it all fits That's everything exactly right. you were saying right there. With everything you were saying, I'm basically saying maybe a little different way in different areas, but just really confirming. Uh, and that's really what it is. I mean, we, we fail to do our part, Bill, don't you think? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and part of it is uh, we fail just to uh, uh, sheer disobedience and not taking his word seriously or um, mm-hmm. really allowing uh, allowing him to have his way with us. See, the Holy Spirit can't do the work he wants to do unless we allow it, and that's the great battle we have yeah. in our lives. Is, is, am I going to turn my will over to Jesus? That's it. Am I going to That's trust the... him and live for him? That's the great battle. Once you do that, it is. Um, yes. that, that's it. And so, because we can't do anything, we can't do anything, be anything like Jesus in the natural. Everything we do, um, everything we do that happens to us is in the supernatural. You can't do the Sermon on the Mount. You can't obey the commands. You can't even understand the words unless there's supernatural power inside of you. And the only way to get that is through Jesus and being born again. So uh, yes. anytime we're operating in the natural, um, we're, not operated, we're not operating in, at the level we should be operating. <laughs> well, he says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14, he, uh, he said, we, the natural man doesn't understand the things of God because of foolishness on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also, he tells Zechariah four six, it's not the power of my spirit, by my spirit, and he tells Jesus told he says you can't do a thing without me, and and you know the more we go, the more we grow, the more we do and accomplish in the Lord's work, the more we see how helpless we really are and how great He is. I mean, to me, it's a humbling experience. It's never a self great big man type attitude. That that is the wrong way completely. But it humbles you as you serve God and see what He does because you you know very well it wasn't you at all. And you're just going along really for the ride and just saying what he wants you to say and do what he wants you to do. But he, he's doing all the work. You're, you're just the mouthpiece. And, and uh, right. it's, a, it's a humbling experience knowing uh, God. And, and the fact, the more you learn, the more you see, you see that you don't know. The more I learn, the more I see that I don't know. Being honest about it, I'm not just saying that, but it, it's really a fact because oh, how true. in the world can I think I know much with a God that knows it all? Uh, that that's re- even you know in heaven all eternity will never stop learning you know that ten million yeah. years from now we'll still be learning. That's a beautiful thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that because if I stop learning, that means I know as much as God. And that's not going to happen <laughs> for any of us. Is no, that's it? not going to ever happen. <laughs> Amen. But never going to happen, really, brother Ed. It is. I'm telling you, what a God we serve. We just are just kind of, we give a very dim view of it. We just see things lightly and a little bit and know very little when you really put put us all in one pot. We're just Amen. very limited. I, we don't know very much. I, the more I learn, the less I think I know. <laughs> Sometimes I say, what in the world am I doing with these people and ministering? You know, I say, my Lord, for little as I know, for what you are, uh, I mean, it's a humbling experience. When, you, when you're facing a big it God, is. you're... <laughs> but, uh, no, go ahead. We we just have about five minutes left here. Is there anything you would like to say? Because we, we get to talking here. I bet I mean, as far as yeah. any addresses, give them anything here, because yeah. I want you to have a minute or two to well, do that. The, well, the first thing I want to do is I want to give people my email address that... Uh, if they desire to get in touch with me uh, about anything we've shared, about how to uh, uh, how do I get back on the path, how do I start to put these things into actions, how can I take the first step, or maybe they just need encouragement. I want to give them my email address, 
so they can contact yes. me and um and we will uh we will do our best to try to help them uh take that first step and get back on the path that uh, God wants them on so my email address and um is b Crenshaw, so that's uh, B-C-R-E-N-S-H-A-W, at therockministries.ies.org. So it's B. Crenshaw at therockministries.org. And uh, feel free to shoot me an email. I look forward to hearing from you. And... Um, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, to wrap it up, we only have a few minutes. For, you know, it says that you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Um, you know that word? But I've been thinking about that word believe, brother, Ed, and what it really means. Yeah. Um, yes. We live in a culture here that uh, um, we, we, can, we can believe in our head but not in our heart, Okay. And, That's uh, right. and if we don't believe it in our heart, it doesn't flow through to our deeds or our actions. And so uh, uh, many, of, many of us have been taught to believe that we can say the words and believe in our head and then kind of live the lives we want to when we're in relationship with Jesus. And, uh, my study of, I'm not a Greek scholar, and I'll never be a Greek scholar, but with Google these days, you can... You can dabble in it, but my understanding of the word believe in the Greek and also the Hebrew is talking about the whole person. There's no separation, okay? And it mm-hmm. follows through the deeds. When you believe, it's with your head, your heart, your life, and it follows through with actions. And there's no separation. And so, yes. um, you know, so this separation of belief, oh, I believe it in my mind, Okay, that, that's, not what, that's not the same belief that Jesus is talking about in the Bible. Okay? It's not the yep. same. And so I want people to think about that because they read the Bible and interpret it through our common culture now, but that's not what the word means in the original language of Hebrew and then it was translated to Greek. It's not, doesn't believe, it doesn't mean that in my understanding in either the Hebrew or the Greek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, that, I want people to at least recognize this, okay, that believe is not maybe how you've been taught to mean what it says. Right. We have to believe it in our heart. In other words, God doesn't just listen to your words. What's your – we have a minute and a half left, 90 seconds. Uh, he, what he does, he's listening to what your heart's saying. If you mean it in your heart and you know when you mean it, not just saying words – that's what he hears, you see, and that's what saves you. Some people have a head knowledge of salvation, but no, it's mm-hmm. in your heart. And you know it because the Bible says in Second Corinthians 5.17, old things pass away, all things become new. Things become new to you. You just have to mean it in your heart. Yep. And, and the beautiful thing about that is that even if you find yourself in that spot, just like I shared, there's hope. And you can turn back to Jesus and believe in him today with your heart. Don't be discouraged. Amen. Today's the day. Yes. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, uh, Brother Bill, we're, we're going to have to have you another time here, too, and things because but uh, people can get a hold of us uh, here online here where it's on the thing where it has comments or contact you or contact me, 
and I'll contact you about that. So we're making this available to everybody that really wants to, really needs some help and wants some help. We're here for you, okay? And I can Praise contact the Lord. Thank you. Thank you again for sharing your time with me, Brother Ed. It was a joy. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for being I love you, brother, and we'll have to be in touch soon, okay? Sounds good. Take care. Love you all. Uh, Bye-bye. Love you. Bye-bye now. Good night, everybody.